0: So I thought I would start this morning by, often, yeah, when I'm teaching somewhere in the beginning of the retreat, I want to kind of touch on what for me is a central kind of guide or purpose or something that reminds me why I'm still doing this. And that is the, the great purpose of the Buddha, and all his teachings have one purpose, Suffering and the end of suffering, or rather, understanding suffering and ending it. And for me, when I think of that, I I feel like yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. And it's different for each of us, isn't it? Like Jai was talking about freedom as a, an end point or goal or you know some. So for me, some somehow. So much suffering in life, you know, for, for this being, for all beings. This, this, this the thought of it ending is quite wonderful. So, the alleviation, the understanding, the ending of suffering, and the bit of dukkha, just this image of the ill fitting axle. I mean, I'm realising as we're teaching this retreat how, how many images there are and like often I'm not as aware of them as I am in this in this retreat. And so I just for this, I want to focus on that aspect of Dukkha which is uh, you know, dis-ease. You know, the axle and the place it, it sits in the wheel it doesn't fit properly so you get this kind of you know, maybe bumpy ride or it gets stuck or an ill fitting axle, The dukkha also can mean standing badly. That sense of, you know, like I've got a bit, a bit of a limp at the moment because of a tendon problem, and I, yeah, uh, you know, it's like not quite, you know, working right. But, um, so this sense of, One of the. One of the. Okay, how how do we come into harmony? Harmony with life, alignment, image of a plumb line, or this sense of how are we not subtly or in really obvious ways, kind of in struggle? This sort of sense of inner struggle, stress, inner conflict. So just to kind of highlight that aspect of Dukkha, and what we can discover about what supports our uh, ease, the kind of coming into harmony with the way things are. Um, Yeah. So just to, again, with all of these offerings, please, please, Take as lightly as possible, sitting, really feeling your own presence, your own spacious, grounded sense, and let the words come and go. But yeah, maybe there are particular resonances and helpful. And mindfulness, sati, which I want to offer some definitions and similes <coughs> of this morning, you know, highlighted particularly in this tradition, but also in the teachings as a very key support to this understanding and easing or ceasing of dukkha, dis so that it's this knowing quality and different qualities of sati that I want to bring out that it's multifaceted, multifunctional. I mean it's not actually one thing. And in the Buddhist understanding nothing is one thing. So our bodies, our minds, these beautiful qualities. Uh, hindrances which I'll talk about this evening, it's all they're all multifaceted, multi-conditional, multi-conditioned so having a sense of mindfulness, so hopefully this will again just support a sense of its the importance <laughs> and an encouragement to um, just keep having the intention to show up moment to moment, you know, all of these words just take that bit for your day. Continuity of awareness and mindfulness, that's just so powerful. And what then is revealed and what is Cultivated so many benefits, sort of the basis of so much of what samatha, calming, vipassana, insight, you know, of what they can offer and reveal and liberate. So, sati, Pali word, one of its meanings, or maybe its key meaning, is remembering. Remembering to be present. <laughs> but I really, yeah, again, just some of these might resonate for you. It's just, oh, oh, here, right? It's a very seeing. Oh. So you know that shift from being caught up in thinking something and oh. often to me it feels like, oh, it feels like that, that's a yeah, an oral simile, a sound simile. So another, maybe the other key part of these reflections is the question, how does mindfulness feel to you? Like, how does it feel? Do you? How do you know whether mindfulness is present or not? Uh, and the not present, yeah. Maybe talk a bit more about that with the hindrances this evening. And sometimes I also, you know, you feel you're a little bit mindful, or it kind of comes and goes. Or, But really for you, you know, there's the books and the words and the concepts and everything. But like, what does it feel like? Again, it's like the question I was answering, asking on the first evening. What does it feel like to be aware of what's happening right now? Very subtle. Very simple, actually. And that's our, that can be an anchor for us. You know, it's some, obviously some, we're working with the breathing, the body is an anchoring. What does it feel like to know the body? How do we know we're knowing the body? And again, not to proliferate, it's like it could be all of mirrors kind of, but just to let the question point to this very immediate, direct, wordless, knowing body feeling tone pleasure pain Mm -hmm. mind state Mm -hmm. feel Mm -hmm. phenomena being known so I'm just mentioning the four ways of establishing mindfulness you know we can, can focus on one or other or have a more wide awareness um so I wanted to offer a few uh, um, contemporary teachers describing or giving a, a definition of mindfulness. So again, as I, I'm going to name them quite slowly, so just get a little flavour or feel of each one and see if any of them make, make sense or, or resonate, kind of recognise. So the first one is mindfulness as the art of silent illumination. I was just feeling a few moments of silent illumination there, experiencing that wordless knowing again I feel like we could just be with that all day but want to offer a few more because some might resonate more than others for you. Um, Mindfulness is abiding in a space through which experience flows. Abiding in a space through which experience flows. So we've kind of got this mixture of space simile and water flowing, something flowing through space. Somebody recently told me that in science wind or air is Seems a fluid like water, so you say it's like experience blowing through space, and maybe. in a way the potential of mindfulness is not how it, maybe experience feels all the time so it's like pointing to what mindfulness can bring when it's developed so hopefully inspires us you know often I, I don't know how experience feels to you it feels like I don't know I don't know mud kind of stuck in a some bucket I don't know Something clunking down the road, you know, like our axle, a fitting axle. Our mindfulness can actually shift the way we experience. So, without fixing anything, without changing anything, mindfulness actually changes how we experience life, and that is taking on. the miracle and the miracle of mindfulness. Ah. It's also described as loving, heartfelt attention. So you can hear that. Way of describing mindfulness is highlighting the quality of mental loving kindness, and again, something to, for you to explore if you want. Kind of, yeah, it has that quality of care, loving, heartfelt, and seeing, knowing from here from the heart, from the heart than from somewhere out here in our head. And don't worry if you don't remember all these and then later you think, oh, what was that one? Either you can ask me or you can just get a feel for something that's like what I said. and and what you remember is probably what, is probably enough, is probably what you need, right? So, there's lots more, maybe just one more. This is a slight, this is from, anyway, I didn't want to name the people because they did all different styles of presentation Mm -hmm. and view. So this is alert, but receptive, equanimous observation. Now that one makes me sit up straighter. Mm -hmm. Alert, but receptive, equanimous, observation. So that one's interesting because it's actually honouring four different facets of mindfulness in the same kind of moment or group of moments, taking care of four different facets or aspects of it. And the first simile of the Buddha I want to share, I think it's kind of relevant to that last definition, and the Buddha likened mindfulness in many different ways. Again, I'm not going to try, not too many, but climbing a high tower. Like climbing a high tower. Now, as I've been reflecting on this, I started to realize he's not saying being up a high tower, which is, I think, what I was carrying for a while. But he's saying, climbing, climbing, which really reminds me of the, the, the simile of the raft that Jaya shared last night, that, you know, we put, the, we put, and then with our hands and feet, we paddle, it's like, so that sense of that part of mindfulness, which is, you know, where there's a kind of, okay, like touching the object, again, again, you know, just like this, we we are, there is application, and maybe the fruit of that, or one of the fruits of that is that sense of being able to, like when you're up on a high tower, up a mountain, and you can like, oh, body, it's more like a, a big landscape laid out, you can actually, oh, observe. Why anger? Hmm. Uh, sadness. Do Do you get the sense of that? I find that very helpful. Time the sort of cooling because the emotional life particularly can sort of pull you into such a sort of subjective being in it. And it's like we can have that kind of cooler relationship to even very charged material. Or the diagnostic probe of a surgeon. It's like, it feels a bit more like the simile of the, you know, the woodturner. It's like very, coming in very close, very detailed, kind of probing. What is this? What's actually happening here? What can I You know, and I I get the sense of a probe, like whether it's a finger or a a knife or one of these more modern kind of things that can hover outside a body and, you know, know all sorts of stuff, that it's receptive. So probing but sensitive. Like when you, oh, what's that? You know, kind of, it's not. begin the flexibility at times we can begin to sense that this knowing this mindfulness can function in different ways according to what's needed maybe I'll just mention one more taming a wild elephant <laughs> new wild elephants through. I know, I can feel like that sometimes. So mindfulness is the, I'm adding this, the art or the skill, or it helps with taming a wild elephant. So there's that kind of acknowledgement of the potential destructiveness or unskillfulness in in our hearts and minds, right? Just to be honest. And the wildness, you know, the wildness. I mean, I've never encountered wild elephants, so. But I understand that they can be quite dangerous, you know, they can kind of rampage around a bit. But mindfulness can tame a wild elephant. So just, you know, that sense of just knowing, knowing that has kindness. Associated with it somehow for me seems crucial, but um, without figuring everything out and fixing it, all this mindfulness or it, it steadies you to the point where you can actually understand what's needed. So. Not wanting to reify mindfulness and lift it up above everything else um, because it's only one element of the practice and the path. But I hope you get a sense of this invitation to this continuity and seeing it just how does it feel? How does it feel to you? How do you know you're present? you know you're here kind of with awareness and when you do know it, just enjoying it, even if you're with there's some unpleasantness around. Like this. Oh, It's a kind of very subtle pleasantness about mindfulness, which is kind of interesting to tune into. And then noticing when you, you maybe you pause or usually thinking, I right? think. And then what well, that shift, like, oh, aware of thinking, aware I've been lost. Ah. All right. Because that's, but then gradually with that kind of interest, the continuity can, can grow and become more and more deeply inclusive. Process of deepening self-acceptance. Isn't that a beautiful possibility? The deepening process of self-acceptance, that's another contemporary definition of mindfulness. That mindfulness can do this work for us. Yeah. Do a lot of that work for us. That healing healing work it facilitates a process of deepening self-acceptance so many many other benefits many many other things we could say but let's let's let go of the words and then feel free to shift your posture if you want to sit on a chair or just have a bit of a stretch you know. <coughs> also feel free to stand I didn't check this out Joe. is that ok to stand in the hall so if you feel like that would be helpful you can just stand for a while and then when you're ready or you know, when you want to you can just sit <coughs> just really feel free to you know, stand up feeling your feet on the floor Feel the body moving, feel clambering up, clambering down, feel. So, settling into your practice now. Maybe after all these words, just taking a few moments to, walk. just finding posture, Feeling the body resting on the floor and standing, sitting. Just using that as a way to transition from listening and maybe thinking to uh, highlighting body. Very simple. ground so actually I I think I'm going to invite you to um, just reflect on whatever you need to reflect on in terms of just you know maybe digesting a bit or thinking of what what's been said or just orienting yourself towards your practice, how you want to practice. Kind of give yourself kind of a little bit of time to just oh, I don't know, maybe oh that was interesting. Or, oh, what was I? Mm. Yeah. And then gradually let yourself kind of settle into some kind of clear intention or interest that you want to take care of for this this sitting or standing period.